How's everybody doing? Let me try it again. How's everybody doing? Okay, good. Hey, um, how many of you know church should be fun? Okay, like three people. Church should be fun, yes? I, you know what? I, we got together as a staff um, right before the um, service last night, and we always pray. We always pray for you guys. We always pray for um, you know, God to have his way in our weekend services, and we were having so much fun as a staff just talking through the service that we weren't getting to where we needed to go, but that's okay. Would, would you guys be okay if we had so much fun this morning that we didn't get where God wanted us to go? No, because we want to go where God wants us to go. It's a trick question. No, sorry. Uh, but church should be fun. And I find myself actually excited about coming on a given weekend, and I hope you do too. I hope it's not where anybody feels like this is their duty, that they have to come on a, on, it's their spiritual responsibility to come once a week. I, I hope that you come on the weekend because it's something that you enjoy and that you have a good time at. And so uh, let's, let's have a good time this morning. Amen. Let's just have a good time. So um, we are starting a brand new series. So if this is your first time to Shine Church, um, welcome, sit back, enjoy what God has for you. Uh, it's a perfect time to come because we are just starting into a brand new series. Um, and what we, it's actually really not even a series because what we're going to do is we're going to just take the next few weeks for however long the Lord leads us to do this, but we're going to go into um, several different messages on practical Christianity practical Christianity. And what we really felt as a teaching team when we got together and started discussing this is, hey, let's bring up some subjects and some things that people just deal with on a day-to-day basis. So for instance, today I'm going to talk about communication. Um, We're going to talk about anger. We're going to talk about um, getting into the Word of God uh, on a day-to-day basis. We're going to talk about um, potentially parenting, because that's pretty practical, yes? And just, we're going to hit several different subjects as the Lord leads that we believe are just very practical to anybody who um, just wants to live as Christ wants them to live, okay? Um, And so here's what I have um, discovered already. When you start getting into the practical things of Christianity and you start opening this book and asking God to reveal things that are practical in different areas... Um, it can be a little challenging. As a matter of fact, uh, I, I had lead a Bible study every Thursday morning at 6 a.m. with a group of guys, and uh, one of the guys that used to come to that study several years ago, when we'd get into a challenging section of Scripture, uh, he would go, well, that's annoying. Has anybody ever been annoyed by something they read here? Okay, maybe annoying's not the right word. Maybe it's irritated. Um, maybe it's challenged. Um, whatever, however you want to say it, it basically happens because what you're reading doesn't line up to how you're living. And now you're accountable. accountable. (laughs) Yes. And now you have heard. And so, um, I hope you're okay if we go into a little bit of a challenging arena today, um, because I think communication is something that each and every one of us can get better at. Amen. All right. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much. I I thank you that your word, um, God, it tells us about how much you love us. It tells us about how, um, like like we learned earlier this morning, just how when we let you love us, that's when we begin to be changed, and that's when we begin to be purified. And um, Lord, we thank you that the word teaches us about how you sent Jesus for our behalf, But Lord, your word also teaches us about very practical things in life. 
And so, Lord, I pray that you would help us to receive the word that you have for us. And, and right now, I pray that I would decrease and that you would increase in me, that your Holy Spirit would take over and that the words that I speak are directly from your heart. And as I share this message, Lord, I pray that everyone listening to me, whether it's here or online or maybe through a podcast later on, God, I pray that you would open our hearts to receive what you would have for us. And God, help us to be more like you after hearing this message. Help us to be sharpened. Help us to go deeper into the things that you have for us. And Lord, we thank you for these things in your name. And everybody said, amen. Put in my notes, and if you want to follow along, you can go to the version or the Bible app, and, and you can follow along there. Just click on events, and you'll see Shine Church. But um, I put in my notes, healthy relationships have good communication. Would you agree with that? If you think about a healthy relationship that you have right now, I'm willing to bet that you and that person have an open line of communication, and you can actually talk through those things, Yes. Um, when I do weddings, one of the quotes that I use is uh, from a lady, uh, Laura Hendricks, and, and the quote goes like this, and I always use it right at the very end, right before I pray the final blessing over the couple, and the quote goes like this, love is friendship caught fire. Love is friendship caught fire, and of course, in a marital situation, that is, man, that is such great f- foundational truth. Um, If you're married in here, I I would strongly encourage you, be best friends with your spouse because I believe best friends can make it through anything together. What does it mean? It means that best friends can talk through both good times and bad times, through things that are going well and through the challenges they face. They can communicate through those issues. But I would actually submit this. Um, The word of God says, John, the self-proclaimed disciple that Jesus loved, okay, He actually said this many different times. He said, by the love we have for one another, they, the world, will know that we are his disciples. You guys remember that scripture? The love that we have for one another will be known out into the world. So separate from marriage and think about that quote, love is friendship caught fire. What if... We had relationships and friendships inside of the body of Christ that were so loving, that people cared for one another so much, they communicated so well that the world went, what are you guys doing that's different than what everybody else is? I believe they would be drawn to Christ because of that type of relationship. Would you agree? Okay, so um, I'm gonna ask a question. Um, If you're new here from time to time, when I'm teaching, I will ask a question and I actually want some responses. And so I'm going to ask a question right now, and here's the question. What happens when communication is not good? What happens when communication is not good? Just lift your hand and... Um, yes? You misunderstand one another. Absolutely. If, you, if communication is not good, then there's misunderstanding, right? Okay, absolutely. What else happens? Yes? Issues do not get resolved. Mm, okay, we're going to talk about that. Yes. No. Broken relationships. You end up having a relationship. If communication is not good, that person you're in a relationship, you may sever that, right? And, and it's broken, yeah. You have internal dialogue. You have internal dialogue. Oh, man, that is so good. I didn't even have that in my notes, but I'm going to spend some time on that. 
Internal dialogue. Anybody ever have a vain imagination? Okay, like eight of us. Okay, I have vain imaginations. And so it's amazing when miscommunication, when communication gone wrong, what happens is you begin to dialogue in your own head and you start to create different scenarios. I'll never forget working at uh, Jubilee Fellowship for Pastor John. This was probably year two. And he was very flexible. And he basically said, hey, all I want you to do is work two parts of the day. You got morning, afternoon, and night. And so just work two parts of those day. I couldn't get that because I came out of kind of uh, the secular world where it was you put nine to five in and that's how you did. And you took one hour for lunch. And and so I remember this one particular day, I (laughs) I took a lunch hour and uh, I went an hour and a half, and actually it was pushing on two hours. And on my drive back from the lunch to the office, I started having this vain imagination that he was going to be upset that I was gone so long. And so then I started to argue with him in my head. <laughs> Anybody? And so I would, man, I, and I was like, oh, you, you said, you know, and I'm just going to town in my head. And when I walked in the door of the church ready to go, I was like, hey, Pastor John. He's like, hey, man. How was lunch? It was like, it was good. Anything else? No, good. I, he didn't say a word. I had this incredibly long conversation with him in my head that never came to fruition. And when communication is bad, it's amazing how we'll have those vain imaginations and misunderstanding, which I believe leads to frustration, which then leads to offense. Which then leads to offense. Somebody else, anybody else want to share? When communication goes wrong. I think I have a good picture of this. Um, Andrew, my son, and I got to go skiing on Monday, and it was, it was a strange day. We get in the car here in Castle Rock. It's sunny. It's calm. We drive up to 470, start heading uh, towards the mountains. We get almost to I-70, and uh, was, it, was it crazy? Snow squall. Uh, all of a sudden, boxes started flying at the car. Uh, debris was every. I mean, all of a sudden, this wind kicks up, and there's stuff flying all around. It starts to snow just a little bit. Visibility's okay. We get onto I-70, and we're still cruising along. And all of a sudden, we both get this an- announcement on our phone. Warning, snow squall. Okay, I've lived in Colorado all of my life. <laughs> I have never heard the terminology snow squall until this year. I guess it's been out there, but I have never heard it. And so we were joking. We're like, what is a snow squall? And he's looking it up, and, and we're just, I don't know. We go past Idaho Springs, and we're just driving, and all of a sudden, we experienced a snow squall. <laughs> and basically what happened is we're driving, and we could see fine, lightly snowing, and all of a sudden, in a second, we couldn't see anything. Thank God everybody braked because no accidents happened. But in researching actually snow squall, multi, multi-car pileups happen when snow, calls, snow squalls happen because all of a sudden you can't see. And as quickly as it came, it left. And so we get up to Loveland, we go skiing. Um, we spent the side kind of on the, um, the, north, the north face um, side of the mountain, skied there for a while, and then we decided, hey, let's go over to the, the side that faces south. And we start going up this lift. And guys, I've never experienced anything like this. We're on this, on this chairlift. And we're going, we're about halfway up. And all of a sudden, snow squall number two comes. And yeah, couldn't see anything. 
We're sitting on this chair, can't see the ground, can only barely make out the chair in front of us, can't see the ski, the poles. It, it was the eeriest feeling because it felt like we were just floating in the middle of air. <laughs> and like, you couldn't see the ground, you couldn't see above you. And we were like, okay, we're not going where we were gonna go. We're gonna get off and get down. We get off the lift and we could not see where we were going. It was just weird. And so the same day, that was Monday of this week, the same day, some incredible pictures from Aspen, Colorado came out. And I don't know if you saw these, but I wanna show you these pictures of what a snow squall looks like. Here's the first one, okay? And this, by the way, happens in the matter of seconds. Here's the first picture, pretty clear. I think that's the town down there, beautiful mountain picture. The next picture, here comes the squall. And here's the next picture. In the matter of seconds, in the matter of seconds, you go from clarity to where you can't see anything. Is that not how communication goes? When things are going well, there is great clarity in the relationship. But then all of a sudden, and it can happen in one conversation, in one misunderstanding, in one bit of frustration, in one offense, you can go from just having clarity of relationship to just where you can't see anything and it doesn't make any sense, yes? And so I believe that God wants us to, to understand that communication is a huge and vital important part to our life, loving him, engaging with him, and engaging with one another. And so here's how this message came about. God is doing something in me this year that if I'm quite honest with you, I'm not... I'm not really enjoying, but I know it's important. I've had three different interactions with people that I care about and that I love. And from the very beginning, end of December to the middle of January, I had three different conversations in which people basically, in kindness and with gentle hearts, basically told me that you don't communicate as good as you think you communicate. <laughs> Okay, And things that you have done, I have taken and it has either hurt me or it's created frustration in me. And a part of me is excited that they felt open enough to share those things. I feel like I'm doing something right if somebody can feel like they can approach me and share those things with me. But on the other side of things, um, it kind of hurts when you start to hear that. A few weeks ago when I taught, I said this. God is digging deep into me. You guys remember that? And he actually told me this, I care for you and I love you too much to let you stay where you're at. And man, that was very comforting. But it was shortly thereafter that I had another conversation with somebody. I was like, oh my gosh, God, what are you doing? I told my wife, well, God is clearly trying to get me to understand something. And so when we came up as a teaching team with, okay, let's talk about some practical Christianity things and I was like, I'm teaching on this. I believe God is doing this in me, and I think it is something that um, God wants to do in, in every believer's heart. And so I said earlier, but I'll say it again, it's in your notes. I believe that lack of communication leads to misunderstanding. Misunderstanding leads to frustration, and frustration will lead to offense. I posted, I posted on my Facebook page, and go look at it because I think there's 125 responses at this point. But I posted on my Facebook page, shortly describe 
what causes offense in somebody's life? My favorite answer was Pastor DJ when he said, when a coworker gets 117 responses and, I, and you only get half of those when posting. <laughs> so I just want to say for Pastor DJ's sake, if he posts something, would you guys comment on it, please? It'll make him feel so much better. Got some funny responses, um, but there he is. Look at him peeking through the door. He's like, Clearly, he's offended. We'll, we'll talk about it. We'll work it out. Trust me. We'll get it all shaped up before next weekend. Um, a lot of the responses were a lot of the things that you guys have said, miscommunication, uh, misunderstanding. A lot of the responses had to deal with self because somebody is selfish. And boy, I think that leads to offense without a doubt. Um, Kim and I were talking about it, and we kind of came up with this kind of definition of why offense comes. When somebody does something or says something that I wouldn't do or I wouldn't say, I find myself leaning towards offense. Would you agree? And it really does come from that selfishness. And so let's jump into some practical ways to foster good communication. But before I do that, I want to share one little thing first. Um, One of the things that we've been saying since the foundation of Shine Church is this. We want to do life together. Let's do life together and find where God wants us to go as a staff, as a family, as a body of Christ. Yes? I mean, we've been saying that from the very beginning. And one of the things that I love about our staff is that we have committed to the friendship first Our relationship with one another is more important than the ministry, than what we do as the church. Our relationship has to come first. And I hope that that is the same thing that would happen in here. Um, Nicodemus goes up to Jesus at one point and says, hey, how do I get the fullness of the kingdom of God, basically? He's like, we know you're you're doing miracles. You're a great teacher. What do I do to get the fullness uh, of God? And Jesus replied this, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old, Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. Okay, uh, another little interaction part right now. Um, Just by a show of hands, how many of you in this room were born? Okay, good, everybody. I was just making sure. Now, when you were born... You had a mother and a father, maybe, uh, maybe some siblings, maybe some sisters, brothers, maybe you're an only child, um, but here's one thing that we all have in common. We did not get to choose our family, right? For good or for bad, we didn't get to choose our family. And yet, would you agree that even in, in, in pretty terrible family situations, there's still some kind of a different bond with a family member than just somebody else in the world. Would you agree with that? Okay, I would submit to you this. Jesus told Nicodemus and wanted him to very much understand, therefore I believe it wants us to very much understand, that yes, we are born of flesh into families that we don't choose, but yet there's a connection. And when you ask Jesus into your heart, 
Guess what? It says you are born again. That's where the Christianese term, are you born again? It comes from asking Jesus into your heart, saying, God, I believe you sent Jesus for my behalf, and I want him to come live through the Holy Spirit in me. And that terminology is being born again. And I would submit to you, church, that when you are born again by the Spirit, guess what? You are born into a new family. Would you agree? Look around. You didn't get to choose these people. (laughs) But God did. And God chose these people. If you call Shine Church your home, then this is your body. This is your family. The word of God, there's several different scriptures talk about that we make up the body of Christ, that we are supposed to be family with one another. And I would submit this to you, that you didn't get to choose everybody that's in this room, but God wants you to be connected with everybody in this room in a different way than with people out in the world. Do you guys agree with me? Okay, so in order for that to happen, in order to effectively work at Shine Church, I would submit that we need to be able to communicate with one another. I'm not saying that you have to be best friends with every person in this room, but I am saying that God has put us all together for a reason. And, it wants, and, he, and he wants it to be more than just to come and have a weekend experience, but he wants us actually to live life together. And for some of you, that may be a little bit of a challenge, but I would submit to you, this is what God desires and the fullness. You know, we did a series um, several months ago and we talked about how the fullness of God comes from having a relationship with him and with one another. And that fullness comes then when we communicate well with one another. So here's, I'm gonna ask another question um, and I want you to think about this for a second. Um, But when you think about the Bible, and then this subject on communication. Having dialogue with other family members inside of the church. What comes to mind? What are practical ways that you can remember, that you can think of, that the Bible speaks to when it comes to actually having good practical communication skills? What things come up? Helping each other through hard times, which involves a couple things. First, it involves getting to know people so that you know they're having a hard time, right? It also involves you being open enough so that people will understand and know that you're having a hard time. I know there are people listening to me right now that are struggling in some area of life And I would ask you this, does somebody in this room know that you're struggling? Because if they don't, you're missing out on them being able to help you, pray with you, and just support you. Let's not be afraid to share our struggles with one another because that's what family members do. That's what family members do. And so be open to sharing, but also be in relationship and ask people, don't, you know what, let's, let's commit to this. As a church, let's commit that when we come together and we gather, when you ask somebody, how are you doing, don't let them get away with, I'm fine. Because what I have found is when somebody goes, yeah, I'm, I'm fine, or I'm doing okay. If you just look at them and go, are you? 
all of a sudden they're like, hmm, well, not really. What do you mean? And it's amazing. If you will just take two to three minutes and just say, okay, well, how can I pray for you this week? And let them open up just a little bit. It can mean the a world's difference for that person. Have you ever been struggling and have somebody come up and actually show that they care? Doesn't it change just even your perspective and your mindset for just a little bit? So I love that. Okay, somebody else. Things that this word says. Yes. Listening. How about focused listening without trying to fix? Okay, husbands are not good at this. All right, let, me, let me rephrase. I'm not good at this. I don't want to cast anything, you know. But absolutely, listening, listening with the in, intentional focus on that. Love that answer. That's good. Somebody else? Yes. Oh, okay. Two sides of this coin, right? Speaking the truth in love. Okay, when I feel like I have the truth, okay, that's, that's, <laughs> I'm going to just be transparent with you guys right now. That's one of the areas where I have been told I don't do this well. I speak the truth aggressively. <laughs> I, <laughs> I speak the truth, but not maybe with the, the grace and the mercy that I would want to receive when somebody speaks that. And then on the flip side, when I need truth spoken to me, am I willing to receive that? That's really good. Trace. Not being easily offended, but turning the other cheek. <laughs> I had an interesting conversation in a Bible study this, this past Thursday where we talked about what does that mean to turn the other cheek? I, we don't do this well in this world. You know, Jesus said, you have heard it, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, but I tell you, if someone strikes your cheek, turn the other cheek. If someone wants your jacket, take, give them your shirt too. If somebody wants to make you walk a mile, go two miles. It's like, no, if somebody strikes my cheek, I'm punching back really fast. <laughs> but that's not, that's not good communication skills. <laughs> Let's put that in communication. When somebody says something sharp, instead of filtering it and taking and processing it and then responding in grace, we say something sharp back, Yes. If you're married, you know all about this. <laughs> How quick the daggers start to throw at one another. And I, I'm convinced, and I'll tell couples this all the time, I'm convinced the enemy tries to get into a relationship and where we're supposed to throw the dagger, the sharpness at him, we turn and start, start shooting the darts at one another. And it's just, ow, 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 ow. And it just, and all of a sudden it blows up. So I love that. I love that. Let's look into a few scriptures. <laughs> okay, you guys ready? Oh, I need to make sure you guys are ready. Are you guys ready? Okay, this could be challenging, annoying, irritating. I don't know, whatever word you want to use. I'm not saying the word of God is, is annoying. This is truth. But sometimes it, it strikes me as annoying from time to time. And I think you may find a little challenge here. Romans 12, 10 through 18. It says this, be devoted to one another in love. All right, real quick, just shout out real quick. What does devoted mean? Committed? Committed? Loyal? Con connected? What? 
focused. Lots of, lots of time. Oh yeah, you give lots of time to. Somebody last night said, um, um, you still root for the Broncos even when they're losing? Um, that, that's actually a pretty good picture of devotion. Devotion is, hey, you know what? Uh, whether, whether things are going really well or not, I'm with this person. And so in this room, are there people you can look around and go, hey, you know what? In good times and in bad times, I'm with that person. And not just your spouse. Because we're supposed to live this life together as a family. And it says, be devoted to one another in love. How about this one? Honor one another above yourself. How you doing? Honor one another. Man, there are so many scriptures. Hey, here's what blew me away as I was studying this out. There are so many strict scriptures that talk about this communication with one another. It's crazy in the word of God. God wants us to get this. And many times over it says that we are supposed to consider other people more highly than ourselves. But I'm just gonna be completely open and transparent. The reason those people were having those conversations with me is because I was considering myself before them. And I hope I'm not the only one in the room that would admit that, but if the Holy Spirit is speaking to you right now, the word of God says that we're supposed to honor one another above ourselves. But this, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. It all comes back to having that relation. We have to engage with God before we can engage with one another. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. Okay, let me break this down real quick. Be joyful in hope. Hope means to expect. Are you joyfully expecting something from someone every time you come in on a weekend? Or are you expecting with joyful hope that you have something for somebody when you come in? Or do you come to church just because, hey, this is what we do every week, and I'm going to come, and then I'm going to go? What this says is that we are supposed to be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer with one another. Don't answer this question, but have you prayed in this past seven days, have you prayed for anybody in this room? Have you prayed for anybody in this room? Because church, I'm telling you, in order for us to have good and effective communication, we need to be lifting one another up. We need to be praying for one another. Tuesday night, seven o'clock, come join us for prayer. We pray for one another in this church. We pray for this body. We pray for relationships. We pray for the Holy Spirit to come and, and reveal his heart to us. We pray that God would come in and challenge each one of us so that we would grow deeper in a relationship with him and that we would get to know and love one another at a, at a better level. And I, I would submit you can't have that unless you're praying. Pray for one another. Ask God if there's somebody in this church that you should be praying for and, and listen. The, very, the next thought you have when you pray that, or you know, if names start poking into your head, man, start praying for those people. It goes on and says, share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. <laughs> I'm going to move on. That's it. That's, I don't like that one. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with, other, with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. 
Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. What? Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. I, you know what? One of the things I'm learning through this stage in my life right now is uh, there's this term that I've just recently heard. It's called an echo chamber. I don't know if you've heard that term, but basically it is this. We all live in these echo chambers, which basically mean this. We get with people that say the things we want them to say, that believe the things that we believe, and we find ourselves in that little echo chamber and we just resonate with that. And we don't pay attention to any other viewpoint, idea, or thought. And when we get stuck in that echo chamber, I promise you, we are not being careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. There is something to being open to hear from another person and be willing to understand and, and try to understand and hear their side of things. And here's what I'm finding. There's more than one way to get somewhere. Kim and I have this discussion in the car all the time. I'll take a right, and she, she'll go, you're going that way? I'm like, yeah, this is the best way. <laughs> and then later on, she proves me wrong. <laughs> Be careful of the echo chamber you're in. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Live at peace with everyone. I'm going to come back to that. All right, let's look at a couple other scriptures. Mark 11, 25 through 26. And when you stand praying, by the way, this comes immediately after where it says, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can speak to a mountain and say, move, and the mountain will move. There's another verse, and then it says this. And when you stand praying... If you hold anything against anyone, if you hold anything against anyone, does anybody, does that strike anybody funny there? Anything against anyone, does that not pretty much take everything into account? That's annoying, thank you. <laughs> I was waiting for that. Thank you very much, Adam. I needed that. If you hold anything against anyone, have you at any point in your life held anything against anyone? Man. Okay, so that pretty much covers everything. I think we all agree. And then this is what it says for us to do. If you hold anything against anyone, forgive them. I don't know if I like this, God. But man, in, in light of practical communication, this is so key. Forgive them. And then it gets even stronger and says this, so that your Father in heaven may forgive your sins. Now, I know I need to stop for a second because some of you are going to say, Pastor Dan, you don't know what has been done in my life. You don't know the hurt, you don't know the pain, and you're right, I don't. I'm not gonna pretend that I do. But I also need to bring to you, this is, what, this is what God instructs us to do with those things. If you have anything against anyone, forgive them. 
Pastor Rob, about four weeks ago, maybe it was five weeks ago, taught a message on forgiveness. Go back, listen to that message because it was powerful and I don't have time to get into this, but I just want to submit to you that maybe, maybe God wants to do something in your heart and heal the lines of communication with someone or someone's through this scripture. And it may be difficult to do, but Pastor DJ said something when we were talking about this at the teaching team that I thought was so profound. This is what he said. The lie of hell is to think that suppressing differences is better than reconciling them. I'm gonna read that again. The lie of hell is to think that suppressing differences is better than reconciling them. In marriage counseling, this is called the silent treatment. <laughs> Some people are like, huh. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Listen, the enemy would love you to stuff it down, to keep it inside of you, but the only thing that happens is you keep stuffing, 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 and then at some point you're gonna blow. You will blow, and the relationship will suffer greatly because of that. It will suffer greatly because of that. It's easier to stuff it down. It's easier to suppress it. It's easier. But the abundant life comes from stepping forward to reconciliation and saying, you know what? That thing I have against that person, it's gonna be hard to have that discussion, but there's so much life on the other side of it. I need to have that conversation instead of stuffing it down. I was talking to my wife about this and she said, there's a difference between a peacekeeper and a peacemaker. A peacekeeper will stuff things in so that there is this, this illusion of peace. I'll stuff it in so there's, there's an illusion of peace. But a peacemaker goes, nope, I'm gonna do everything I can to reconcile this. And I will take the tough conversation, I will go into the confrontation that most of us in this room do not like to do. And I will step into the confrontation in order to know that on the other side, when we work it out, when we resolve it, we have made peace. We haven't kept peace, we've made peace. And there's a huge difference between stuffing and feeling like there's peace and actually taking the steps to reconcile. And this scripture says, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them. And it is your step. It's your step. Now, I need to stop real quick. As I continue to read these scriptures, I want you to understand this is for you. As a matter of fact, I want you to all say, it is for me. So stop thinking about that other person right now. <laughs> oh, I hope my husband's hearing this. I hope my wife's hearing this. Oh, I'm going to send this to my mom. This is for you. Don't project it on anybody else. This is for you. Okay. How about this scripture? And I think um, we've all heard this one. I have it in the Passion Translation. Translation, and it says this, if your fellow believer sins against you. Now let's, real quick, just make sure I'm on the same page. What is sin? Missing the mark. We've talked about that several times. So if your fellow believer, if your brother or sister in this family has missed the mark with you, they said something that, ooh, stirred you up. They said something that kind of offended, or maybe there's a misunderstanding, or there's a frustration. They said something that made you cringe. 
okay? They missed the mark with you. They didn't communicate in the way that you receive communication. They missed the mark, okay? If your fellow believer missed the mark against you, you must go to that one privately, okay? Interesting word here, you must. What does must mean? You have to do it. (laughs) Amen! Annoying or challenging, however you want to say that. If your fellow believer sins against you, you must go to that one privately and attempt to resolve the matter. If he responds, your relationship is restored. You bring two or three with you. It actually goes on and says, if not, then bring two or three people with you and try to work it out. It's where counseling comes in. Hey, have, get other people involved in this and see if you can work that out. But let's just focus on this first step. Because I know many times somebody will say something and I'll be like, oh, really? But I won't say a word. And then I'll let the vain imagination start chewing in my head. And then all of a sudden, I hate that person. Come to find out later, when I actually do have the conversation, I misunderstood what they were saying. Anybody? How about this one? Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember. Now, I've never, I've never really understood this scripture the way that I did through this series or through this message. I always thought that it went right with the last scripture. If you go to the altar and you have an offense with somebody, you go to them. But that's not what the scripture says. This is what the scripture says. If you, have, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, then you leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them, then come and offer your gift. Um, church, <laughs> this scripture says that if you go to offer an offering to God. So whether it's worship at home or here at church or or whatever that is, when you're offering yourself to God, if he puts into your mind someone else that has an offense against you, you're not even offended. You're like, "I I don't really care. But you know they're struggling with it. The word of God says that you're supposed to leave that place and go get it reconciled. Man, I thought all of you would be shouting amen right now. Man, is this challenging? Mm-hmm. Bruce, did you want to say something? Yeah. What if the person that you have something against is not here anymore? They have passed away. I would, I would submit to you just off the top of my head that you bring that to God and you actually say, God, I want you to stand in the gap on, on behalf of that person and you say what needs to be said. And maybe you can even bring in somebody that you trust and say, hey, would you be my dad? Would you be my, and, and actually get out what you need to say in that case is what I would, would submit to you. If you want, you've done that, but you wanted everybody else to hear that. Yeah, it's good. It's a good, good piece of wisdom. Here's, yes. What if you try to reconcile with somebody and they won't receive it? That goes back to that scripture that said, if you've done everything you can to create peace, then 
I would submit to you that you're in a good place where you go, God, I did everything you asked me to do. Because here's, let me sum these three verses up real quick. This is what God says. If you have anything against anyone, forgive them. If a brother or sister misses the mark with you and it hits your heart and you're offended or you have a misunderstanding, you're frustrated, it says you need to go to that person. And then it says, if you know somebody else has something against you, you need to go to that person. Okay. Basically, God is saying, it's all on you. Don't wait for anybody else to come approach you. Well, if they were godly, they would fix it. No. You need to come and you need to do that. And if you do everything that you can do to bring peace in that situation and they still don't respond, then at least you can stand before the Lord and say, I've done everything I can to create peace in this situation. My wife is going to share a quick testimony of something that happened to us that was really cool that relates to this exact thing. So give it up to my wife. Hi. Okay, so a couple weeks ago, Dan shared that we were able to go to a conference at The Rock, and it was called the Kingdom Family Conference. And the whole gist of the entire conference was basically about the kingdom of God and how it started with a family and it's going to end with a family and just the, the concept of not church being like an organization, an institution, but it's, it's a family. And really the concept of sonship. And before we can have any kind of relationship or discipleship or talk about all these apostleship, whatever ship you want to talk about, friendship, any of those things, we need to understand sonship first and that we're sons and daughters of the king and let him love us. And out of that love, it's his love that we love one another with, right? Because our love is, our fleshly love isn't ever going to make a difference. It's, it's the love that we see, receive from him first. So it, they're talking all about the family of God, and it's super good. And they started off with this scripture, uh, Psalms 34. And it's one of my favorite scriptures. And just one little key point in there uh, says, those that look to the Lord are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. And the Lord will bring that back up to me later in the message because there was a couple that came in to the conference, the very first session, a couple that we know, we were on staff with at Jubilee, and um, we had a terrible falling out with this couple, and it did not end well. And it, this has been years that this has happened and didn't handle it well. It's always been an area. I've seen this couple. We, it's, it's amicable. I mean, we, we can say hi to each other, that kind of thing, but there's always been this underlying thing that the enemy would accuse me. And, and it's been an issue in my life where the enemy has had access to me because he's been able to put shame on me because I, haven't, I didn't handle it well. I hurt them, and I knew that I hurt them. And even though we tried over the years to, to be nice, um, I still felt like there was something still there. Because I never want to be the reason someone struggles or is, is hurt or mad at God or bitter at God because of something I said and something I did. And so the Lord, you know, over the years, I've seen this couple and and every time, immediately, there's this shame that comes on me. And the enemy will say things like, who are you to even be the pastor of a church or, 
you know, serving in ministry when this is what you've done. And, and so it completely knocks my legs out from underneath me, strips me of all my confidence. You know, you just constantly, there's just this struggle, right, to, to live my life fully for the Lord when I have this string, for lack of a better word, that's just pulling on me, right? It's tugging on me. It steals my confidence. So we're sitting there. We're learning about, you know, just this family of God and, like, just th this is his way. We're learning, like, being imparted on the ways of God in this conference. It was so much deeper than just, like, information and knowledge. It was like this download of, you know, we're a family. And, and so they get done, and the scripture, you know, is resonating with me that, you know, there's this been this area of shame, and I need to go and make this right. So as soon as the, the meeting ends, this couple's in the back of the room, and I grab Dan, and, and I'm like, we're going. We're going back there, and we're going to find them, and we're going to make this right. So we make a beeline for them at the back of the, the room, and I just come up to them, and both Dan and I, and we're just like, we need you to forgive us. And just face-to-face -face with them and just humbled ourselves and just said, we're so sorry. We hurt you, and we don't want you guys to be hurt. We need you to forgive us. And they graciously just, you know, looked back at us. They said, we have forgiven you and forgive us for our part in it. And we just sat in the back of the room and just bawled and, and hugged each other. And, and they said, you know, we, we've wanted to come to shine and just say hi, but we thought it would be weird because there's, there was still something there. And I was so grateful. And I told Dan, I was like, if, if we just went to this conference just for this, then it would have been worth it because now I know that I'm not, the enemy cannot accuse me in this anymore because I, I believe me, it wasn't easy, you know, to, to humble myself, to go back there, to do this, you know, and with them. And, um, but I wanted to be free and I wanted them to be free. And I didn't want to have any access point where the enemy could come in and lie to me or, you know, mess me up in the future, even with anybody else. And so this was super cool. So, you know, we, we finished that all up and then we went to lunch and had another meeting, another session started right after that. So at the very beginning of the next session, another gal from JFC, we were at JFC for 19 years. So there's a lot, of, you know, there's a lot of stories that could happen, but this other gal that was on my prayer team, uh, at JFC came up literally kneeled down in front of us and was already starting to cry. And she said, I prayed that God would let me see you here at this conference. And we were like, okay. And she was like, and here you are. And she was like, I just need you to know, like, I need you to forgive me for the ways that I acted and what I did and different things that ha had happened with us in the prayer ministry at JFC. And I was like, oh, I forgive you. Absolutely. I never had anything, but she did. And so it was for her you know, just like with the other couple, for me, it was, it, this is for me. I need to know that we're okay for me to go on. And this, this beautiful woman, you know, just sat kneeling before us and said, I need you to forgive me. I have, the Lord has done such a work in me since then, and I need you to know this and know that there's nothing in my heart against you. And I mean, if it wasn't, if it was just for that, I mean, praise God. But I mean, this was been, this has been years, you guys, you know, the Holy Spirit, he'll speak things to you. He'll, he'll make something known, like something's not quite right here. 
you know, and, and he knows, like, he'll, he'll begin to work on you, and you, as you think about those things, and ask him, okay, what can I do, what should I do, how should I respond, and then, and then he creates an opportunity. I always ask him, Lord, give me the opportunity, show me where the opportunity is, and then it's on us to, like, step into that, but I just wanted to share that testimony and let you guys hear that, and just rejoice with me, because I'm so free, and I'm so thankful that God gave me that opportunity. <laughs> Okay, so let me just um, go through a couple of quick scriptures and then I have a, some rules of engagement and we'll wrap up real quick here. Proverbs 19.11, a, per, a person's wisdom yields patience. It is to one's glory to overlook an offense. As you communicate with one another, overlook offense, all right? Talk a little bit about how to do that in just a second. Proverbs 17.9, love proffer, prospers when a fault is forgiven but dwelling on it separates close friends. Ooh, listen to that again. Love prospers when a fault is forgiven, but dwelling on it separates close friends. Don't dwell on those things. Ask for an opportunity to be able to go share and, and get the misunderstanding. I mean, when a fault is forgiven, go, go get that fixed. How about this one in Ecclesiastes? Ooh. Ecclesiastes 7 says this, do not pay attention to every word that is spoken or you may hear your servant cursing you. For you know in your heart that many times you yourself have cursed others. Man, we, we keep our ears tuned to see if anybody's saying anything bad about us and yet we're not very careful when it comes to saying bad things about somebody else. I wanna stop for just a second and say this. We said it from the beginning, but I will continue to say this and I wanna remind you of this. If we as the leadership team of this church ever do anything that doesn't sit right with you, don't stuff it and go home. Talk to us. Come to any one of the staff members and say, hey, I don't, I don't understand here. There's some frustration I have. Or man, that was even offensive how you said that or what you said. Come talk to us. We have so many people in this world that are jumping from church to church to church because of offenses and they're not actually getting them reconciled. Yes? And so go to a staff member and say, hey, I need, to, I need to clear this up. I need to let you know that this, can you help me understand that? Come and bring those things. Don't go off and say things to other people. I'm not sure if you know, but that's called gossip. We're supposed to go to one another, including church leadership. James 1, 19 through 20 says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. I joked last night, and I'll just say it again here, when you're driving. <laughs> yep, that's what I thought. Here's how I am when I'm driving. I become angry quickly, and I'm quick to speak, and I don't listen to a single thing. <laughs> man, that's how we approach. But man, this says we're supposed to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Okay, so if we're going to have this family, and we're going to interact with one another, it means that from time to time, we are going to have confrontations. We're going to have things that we don't like what other people have done. The Word of God clearly says that we're supposed to go address that. So when we do address that, here's what I want to conclude with. There's some rules of engagement. Rules of engagement. First, 
Pray and process first. Pray and process first. When you go to speak to somebody about whether you have an offense or you know they have an offense towards you, pray about it first, process that, and then go. I like to say it this way, be proactive rather than reactive. How many of you react well? I don't. I don't react well. Usually when something comes, I, Kim, <laughs> never mind. I just don't react well. <laughs> but when I take time to think about it, when I take time to pray about it, and I actually try to kind of, okay, if I say this and they say this, okay, well then God, what do you want me to say? If I say this and they say this, then God, what do you want me to say? When I'm proactive and then go into a conversation, it's amazing how the spirit of God comes into that conversation. Be proactive and not reactive when it comes to engaging with one another. How about this? Be careful of your tone, your volume, and your body language. <laughs> Be careful of your tone, your volume, and your body language. They say, I'm not sure who they are, but they say 93% of communication, 93% is body language and tone. It means the words that you speak only make up for seven. Now, I don't know if that is 100% accurate, but here's what I do know, that if I teach like this and I tell you that you should think communication is really important and you should really apply it good in your life, and it's, it's, really, it's really something that God wants you to do well, and I never look up at you and I talk real quiet like that, or if I shout it and say, you gotta communicate better, It wouldn't be received very well on either side. Volume, tone, when you're communicating with this person. I have no doubt that the Holy Spirit right now is already speaking names to people. Oh, I got to get this right. I need to have a conversation with this person. Okay, pray about it. Be proactive about that conversation and watch your tone, your volume. Avoid buzzwords. What are buzzwords? Avoid words like, you never, you always. Because the second you use that word, guess what you're fighting about? You're fighting about the timeline. If I tell my wife, you never do the dishes, she's gonna go, um, I did it a week ago Friday. And now we're fighting about that. Big, generalized words like that. Stay away from those buzzwords. How about this one? When you're conversing, when you're having these conversations, don't use the word you. Man, this one's hard. Use the words like, when that was said, I feel. When that was done, I took offense because, or I misunderstood, can you help me to understand the, what happened here? Don't project you, because when you say you, guess what's gonna happen? They're gonna get defensive and they're gonna get ready to fight. But when you're just sharing from your perspective, it lets the defenses remain low and then communication can actually effectively take place. Two last ones. Give an allowance for personality differences. 
give an allowance for personality differences. Every single person in this room has a different personality, which means some are optimistic, some are pessimistic, some are realistic. I, wherever you fit in, in that, some people, um, <laughs> they just generally have a smile on their face. Other people generally have a scowl on their face. It's just how we are, yes? And we make a mistake if we don't give an allowance for somebody else's personality. If you think they're going to be like you, you're going to come into that communication time, that discussion, and you're already going to be on the wrong foot. Give an allowance for somebody else's personality. Ask God to really show you what would be effective, more effective for that personality. Not the way you would want it, but it's kind of like the love language. Communicate in the way that you know they need to be communicated to. Not the way that you need. Does that make sense? And then the last one is this. Give understanding to somebody's upbringing. Give understanding to somebody's upbringing because every single one of us has been brought up differently. It's fun to do marriage counseling because I can ask couples, okay, when problems at the house were happening, how did your family respond? And so many times when I'm talking to a couple, one person will go, oh my gosh, we were yellers. Our house, man, we always yelled. Everything. Come get dinner! Take the garbage out! Everything was yelling. And that's the normal thing that they lived in. And then other families, it was like, oh yeah, we hardly barely talked. And when we did, it was like, hey, you didn't take the garbage out again. You're grounded. No! Everybody has a different upbringing, and that greatly influences our ability to communicate with one another, yes? And so, again, if you don't project onto them your upbringing, but you actually maybe ask a couple questions, hey, how do you resolve situations like this? Let them speak and then go, okay, I'm trying to understand that. Here's a frustration that I've had, and, and have that conversation. Just some practical things that I hope that you'll take to heart because I really believe in order to engage with him and engage with one another, we need to be good communicators. Let's not have any snow squalls in our interaction with one another here. Let's commit to one another. Let's be the church that is committed to living life together in good times and in difficult times but let's commit to one another that we will be good communicators with each other as we grow in our love for one another and that sharpens us to grow in our love for God. Amen? Heavenly Father, thank you for the fact that you have given us incredibly practical, practical things to do in our walk with one another. And so Lord, I pray that in regards to this message, that your word would come and penetrate into our hearts and God, that your word would challenge us to interact with your family, the family that we were born into. God, help us to know, help us to understand the practical things you want us to do. And God, I pray that you would give us the boldness and the courage to step out. God, I pray that we wouldn't stuff these things any longer, but that we would pursue reconciliation, that we would do everything we can to come to a position of peace. And Lord, If we ever get to a place where you go, okay, you've done everything you can and they're just not responding, then God, communicate that to us as well. 
But Lord, give us just wisdom in how to approach this. And Lord, we thank you for these things in your name. Amen.